What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And today is Matchups Thursday, as we get ready for Sunday's playoff game between the Packers and Giants at Lambeau Field. But before we get rolling... I would like to remind you to check out the rest of the great Lockdown Podcast Network, which includes Lockdown NFL, Lockdown NFL Draft, and Lockdown Giants. I'll be getting ready for Sunday. And of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview and a bunch of other exclusive content. And Packer Report members receive 10% discounts on tickets through our set at Ticketmonster, 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics, and new or renewing um, annual members. Get one year of Sports Illustrated. And I want to go back to the ticket stuff. The Packers announced yesterday that they still had 2,000 tickets for sale for this game. Of course, those are full-price tickets. And if they can't sell those at full price, that means you're going to be able to get a really, really, really good deal in the secondary market. And if you come, if you sign up for Pack Report, you save another 10% off of that at TicketMonster. So if I was you, if I wanted to go to the game, I would sign up for Pack Report. And then I would go click on the tickets link and save even more money. You can get into this playoff game for really, really cheap. So like I said, it is Matchups Thursday. Let's dig right into it. And that starts with first down. That's when the Packers have the ball. It's going to be strength versus strength with Green Bay's offense against the Giants' defense. And here's kind of a tail-the-tape look. Scoring, which of course is the only thing that really matters here, right? The Packers finished year fourth with 27 points per game. The Giants second with 17.8 points allowed per game. And to me, the situation numbers are what really jumped out. On third down, Green Bay finished the year ranked second at 46.7% for a conversion rate. The Giants third at 35.3%. Let's go to the red zone. The Packers finished 10th with a touchdown rate of 60.6%. The Giants on defense were first at 39.5%. So this is a real, real clash of the Titans on this side of the ball. Obviously for the Packers offensively, it starts with the quarterback. Some fellow by the name of Aaron Rodgers. Might have heard of him. Led the NFL with 40 touchdown passes. And gosh, I remember, you know, five, six weeks in this year where he was toward the bottom of the league in completion percentage and yards per attempt. Well, he kind of shook off all that stuff. He ends up Ranking, um, well, he's also, I think he's on 22nd one point in pass rating. So he ends up finishing 4th in pass rating and ninth in completion percentage. Not a bad year for him, for a guy who was washed up. Remember? Remember he was washed up and he didn't get along with his family. Remember those things? Um, Green Bay, during a six-game winning streak, the, the run-the-table tour, as we call it here on the podcast, 15 touchdowns, no interceptions, a pass rating of merely... 
But it's not going to be easy against this group because the Giants are great on defense. And they're not just great on one phase. They are all around great. Yards per carry against the Packers, excuse me, the Giants, although only three and a half per carry, ranked second in the NFL. Opponent quarterback rating, 75.8, also second in the NFL. If you're a proponent of using free agency, and I'm not generally, but the Giants had a lot of money to spend, and they spent it, and they spent it on defense. They signed cornerbacks Janoris Jenkins and Dominic Ryders Cromarty. Defensive tackle Damon Harrison, and defensive end Olivier Vernon. And all four of those guys panned out big time. I asked Giants coach Ben McAdoo about that yesterday in our conference call. He said, when you go into free agency, you're not sure how things are going to go. You identify players that you think you can help. Excuse me, that, that, let me start that over again. That's why I'm a, I'm a writer by trade. <laughs> when you go into free agency, you're not sure how things are going to go. You identify players that you think can help you, players that are talented and can fit in, but until you get them into the building, you're really not sure how they'll fit. But we hit the lottery there, we feel like, personality-wise. We did our homework, we did our research, and the guys have really fit in to the team concept. Let's start on the back end here, the defensive backs. Jenkins and Rodgers Cromarty. Both big-time acquisitions in a league where I mean, you can't have enough good corners. Right, Ted Thompson? Um, Rodgers Cromartie tied for second in the NFL with six interceptions, including four in the last three games. In fact, he had more interceptions than completions against in that game against Washington last week. Two picks, allowed one completion. Jenkins, three interceptions, but selected to the Pro Bowl. And he's been a big-time weapon throughout his um, five years in the league. Six defensive touchdowns, seven touchdowns total in those in those five years. And when it comes to making plays in a ball, these guys are really good. Rodgers Cromartie finished second in the NFL with 21 passes defensed. Jenkins, not quite as good this year, but over the last two seasons combined, he's got 34. And that also ranks second in the NFL. In the Giants' third corner is first-round pick Eli Apple. So that's a really, really good secondary at corner. At safety, it's Landon Collins, a second-year player who will join Packer safety and former Alabama um, teammate Ha Clinton Dix in the Pro Bowl. Great year by Collins. 117 tackles leads the team. Five interceptions, second among safeties, and four sacks. And he was the only player in the league with five-plus interceptions and four-plus sacks. So the, 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 the weak link here will be the other safety and his undrafted rookie, Andrew Adams. Here's McAdoo on Landon Collins. Landon's been a very productive player for us. He's always around the football. He's not afraid to get his pants, get his jersey dirty. From there, it's the pass rush. I mean, it's stuff all goes hand-in-hand. Hand. You're going to you know, pass defense for his lives on pass rush and coverage, and they've, and they've got that with, on the edge. The aforementioned Olivier Vernon, eight-and-a-half sacks, leads the team. Veteran Jason Pierre-Paul, who missed the last four games by injury and did not practice on Wednesday with a core muscle injury, whatever that is, um, chipped in seven sacks. The other linebacker, the, the uh, other leading tackler here, is former Wisconsin linebacker Jonathan Casillas. He was a free agent pickup in 2015. And the other starting linebacker is 
Calvin Shepard, who was an unrestricted uh, free agent in 2016. So, look, look, the Giants signed five starters on defense. That's uh, it's a lot of money shelled out, and, and it is and it's definitely paid off for him. I mean, look how good Demon Harrison is. He's third on the team with 86 tackles. I mean, that's almost an unheard of number for a defensive tackle, especially a guy who's not really an every down player. I mean, he's in there to take up, you know, to stop the run. So he's been really good. I probably told you the story about Harrison back before the Week 5 matchup, but I'll tell it again. Harrison played at William Penn, who you probably, probably it's an it's a NAIA school, I believe, in Iowa. But um, during the draft process, I do a story called Pro Day Tour, and it, and it um, chronicles where the Packers scouts have gone on a daily basis and who they might be looking at. Um, I think it might have been Northern Iowa had their pro day. And I emailed Northern Iowa, and they said, yeah, Packers have someone there. And I just asked, who? Ted Thompson. Oh, well, that's interesting. So I start scurrying around. I think it was Northern Iowa. Maybe it's Iowa State. Well, either way, I start checking with the prospects um, who played at that school just to see how they did because I figured, well, Ted's there. That's probably pretty noteworthy. And I got a hold of uh, an agent for one of the players at, maybe it was Iowa State. Well, we're going to say Iowa State for the rest of this conversation. I got a hold of one of, the, one of the agents for a player at Iowa State and said, hey, how did your guy do? He filled me in. He says, I'll tell you what, though, Bill. Ted was there to see Damon Harrison. Of course, I have no idea who Damon Harrison is because he, you know, he plays at William Penn. Not exactly on my scouting radar. So then... Like the day later, or maybe it was earlier, later that day, it comes out that Jeff Saturday came to town, and he had his free agent visit with the Packers. So on the day that Jeff Saturday went to go visit Green Bay and eventually sign with the Packers, obviously, to, to be their starting center, Ted Thompson was scouting Damon Harrison, and that tells you all you need to know about Ted Thompson's uh, um. Love affair with free agency. In other words, he has no interest and he'd rather go scout an NAIA um, college prospect. And of course, Harrison's turned out to be a great player. And Ted Thompson probably was turned out to be right by uh, taking the day to go scout him. But I will always remember that story as long as Thompson is the GM of this team. And the other defensive tackle is Jonathan Hankins, a second-round pick from a couple years ago. So, look, this team was put a lot of resources in the draft and especially for agency and it's shown up with a ter- terrific defense. Here's quarterback Aaron Rodgers on that group. It starts up front. They've got a good front. They stopped the run really well. They've got two space fillers up front. With that, he's talking about Harrison and Hankins. Obviously, Olivier is a premier pass rusher. They've got as good a secondary as, we're gonna, as they're going to see in the league with those corners. Really, three guys that can really cover Landon Collins makes a lot of plays. They're very opportunistic in the secondary. And that's the challenge for, for Green Bay, who has run the ball sporadically with Ty Montgomery, but has been absolutely amazing throwing the football. And the Packers have beaten some really good defenses on, on this winning streak, but I'm not sure they faced anyone this good. I mean, you could say Seattle, but Seattle's defense is really headed south. Well, uh, since Earl Thomas went down. I mean, this might be their biggest challenge to date. Does it matter, though? As good as Rodgers is right now, can anybody stop him? 
What a fascinating question, and it's really going to be the definer of who wins this game on Sunday. Can Aaron Rodgers light these guys up like he's lit everybody else up, or did the Giants have the horsepower with those cover guys to shut down um, Green Bay's weapons and then have the pass rush to maybe keep him in the pocket and take away what Rodgers has been doing so well of late, and that is moving around the pocket, getting out of the pocket when needed to make plays. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. All right, second down. That's the Giants' offense against Green Bay's defense. And if the other side of the coin was strength versus strength, this is kind of uh, below average to below average. We'll be kind here to Green Bay's defense and the Giants' offense, for that matter. The Giants have scored less than 20 points in each of their last five games. The last time they they topped 20 against Cleveland, November 27th. I mean, that barely counts, right? I mean, if you can score... 27 points against the Browns. I mean, that's like scoring 10 <laughs> against anybody else. So the Giants enter this game ranked 26th with 19.4 points per game. Green Bay's defense, of course, not very good. 21st with 24.3 points per game. The matchup, of course, to watch here. Eli Manning against Green Bay's secondary. Manning turned 36 on Tuesday, and we had Manning on our conference call yesterday. And in light of the Giants, uh, Odell Beckham and some of the receivers going to Miami to celebrate a victory, I asked Eli Manning if he went to Miami to celebrate his 36th birthday on Tuesday. He laughed and said no, he had a, had a nice cake that made by his family. But obviously, you all, everybody in the world knows this. Eli Manning's big game history, two Super Bowls, those mean in those two runs, the Giants won 8-0. 15 touchdowns, two picks by Manning in those two playoff runs. This season, he just hasn't been that kind of player. He's 13th in the league with 4,000 passing yards. And he completed a uh, career-best 63% of his passes, but finished 22nd with an 86.0 pass rating, 16 interceptions, a number surpassed by only three quarterbacks. So he's not all that accurate. And he's mistake-prone. And I hit on this briefly yesterday. I don't think he has any interest at all at his age in getting hit. And, you know, if you get some rush on him, I, th- I think he'll throw it away. He'll rush the pass. He'll, and I went, one play against the Redskins, there was a, a guy coming up the middle. He just, he just hit the ground. I mean, he just you know, took a dive so he wouldn't get hit. Now, the question is, will Manning play tougher, so to speak, with what's on the line? And will Manning's uh, focus get honed in? And will he become playoff Eli, as they call him in New York? Giants have two great receivers here. One Odell Beckham Jr., the other rookie Sterling Shepard. Beckham is Beckham, right? 101 catches, 1,367 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's great on long balls. He's great on short passes. He's got great hands. If it's, I mean, if it's, if it's caught in his, if it's in his zip code, he'll catch it. He is a, about as good of an all-around receiver, and especially at his height. I mean, he's not one of those 6'2 guys. I mean, he's like 5'11 and change. 
He is a rare, rare talent. Sterling Shepard, 65 catches, 683 yards, 8 touchdowns. The third receiver, Victor Cruz. I don't know if he's done or not, but pretty darn close to it. Just 39 yards, or just 39 catches this year, though he did average 15 per reception. The Packers are unbelievable against that trio back in week five. Then they, with, with uh, Demarius Randall out with a groin injury, they started Quentin Rollins and um, Ladarius Gunter on the outside, Micah Hyde in the slot. And they limited uh, those three receivers to seven catches out of 21 targets. Beckham caught five out of 12, Shepard two out of seven, Cruz zero out of two. So uh, 7 out of 21 for 70 yards to the receivers. I have no idea if Green Bay can get anywhere close to that kind of impact again. You would think not. You know, Demarius Reynolds did practice yesterday. You know, can he start? Can he be effective? Can he play a whole game? Uh, who knows? I mean, I, I, I'm assuming Rollins will not play, so I'm assuming Green Bay is going to line up with a starting cornerback core of Randall. And Gunter on the outside, Hyde on the inside. But you know, I wrote this on a story at Packer Report yesterday. You know, Randall, since he's come back from that injury, he's played about three quarters of the snaps in those, in those six games. He dropped him. He's dropped out of a couple games. Uh, One's yeah, he's had shoulder issues. He's got the knee problem now. It's been a bad year. So I, I don't know how much you can count on him. And if that's the case, I'm going, what the hell is plan B, right? Are you, are you going to go back to what you did against Detroit with Morgan Burnett in the slot? I mean, do you put Josh Hawkins in the game who's played one snap? Just giving up that end of the first half touchdown against the Lions in week three? I mean, I don't know what they do. So, can Green Bay light up uh, the Giants secondary with Rodgers? Maybe. Can Eli Manning, who's... Uh, been inconsistent at best this year, and the offense has stunk. Can he let up the Packers' defense? Maybe. Odell Beckham, uh, very excited about this. Um, say what you want about the guy. You know, he's a, a bit of a hothead. He's got a temper. I mean, you might think he's a, a clown for going to Miami to celebrate going to the playoffs. You know, whatever it is. Ben McAdoo's putting out six days from Sunday. It's the players' day off, and they're adults. But say what you want about the guy. He cares. I mean, you could. I just reading the comments from New York yesterday. I mean, here's a guy. I mean, he really, really cares about this. And I thought this is one of the more interesting quotes here. I'm excited about the opportunity to even be able to play in the playoffs. For me, it's like, I feel like I've talked about it for years since I've been here, and it's finally here. It's not really here until Sunday, I think, or even when we take off to go to Green Bay. And it all will kind of settle in. I'm just trying to hold it all together. And I just don't know where I'm going to be at. And I want to be very amped up and very excited. So which begs the question here. Is Odell Beckham going to be at his best? Is he going to have one of those legendary performances like he's been talking about? Or is he going to be a bit overexcited and maybe get off to a slow start? I think if you're Green Bay, you're certainly hoping for the latter there. The Giants running game has been feeble at best. The end of, the end of this game, uh, they finished the year ranked... Toward the bottom with 88.3 rushing yards and 3.55 yards per attempt. But rookie Paul Perkins had a 100-yard game against the Redskins last week. Um, I mentioned this in a podcast the other day. I really liked him coming out of UCLA. A really 
I mean, at 5'10", 208, not a power runner, but an elusive runner. I mean, this guy's going to make some people miss. A guy who's really going to catch the ball. Um, here's Eli Manning on him from Hero Conference call yesterday. Paul's done a good job just running the ball, making some defenders miss, turning some three- or four-yard gains into 20- and 30-yard gains. He's got a little burst of speed, and he can make some big plays for us. Green Bay's got to win in the trenches, though, and it's been a while since Green Bay is really dominating a running attack. So they've got to slow down that group, for one, and then they've got to get after Manning. The offensive tackles are left tackle Eric Flowers, a huge, huge man. A right tackle Bobby Hart, also a huge, huge man. If Hart can't play, it'll be Marshall Newhouse, who we all know and love from his days in Green Bay. But, you know, one of the keys for Green Bay against Manning in Week 5 was how the Packers' edge rushers just stormed through, those li- through, that, through that line. You know, Eric Flowers is a big man, like I said. So is Hart. Susceptible to speed. Susceptible to guys who can, play, get, who can play by getting low and winning the leverage battle. So Green Bay's got to win that matchup. Third down, and it is a look at the special teams. The Giants' fourth Pro Bowler is Dwayne Harris, and he's their special team, the uh, NFC special teams guy. In his previous four years, he had four touchdowns on returns. None this year. 24.2 yards per kickoff return, really good. 5.9 yards per punt return, not good at all. Kicking game should be a really good battle here. The Giants uh, signed Robbie Gold, the former Bear, at midseason, and he's 10 for 10 on field goals this year. His long is 47. It'll be interesting to see what his distance is. He is second all-time in, in field goal accuracy from 50-plus. I mean, he's, he's made like 76% in his career. But he hasn't shredded any this year. The punter Brad Wing, a 46.2-yard average with a 40.9 net. He was the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week in Week 14 and 15. A real strong leg weapon there. For Green Bay... Kicker Mason Crosby is on an NFL record streak of 20 consecutive postseason field goals. And punter Jake Shum's net average of 39.1, second best in team history. Only 16 of his 56 punts have been returned this year at 28.6%, number one in the NFL. And that is why his punts might not look impressive, his numbers aren't that impressive. But that number's impressive, and that is why this punt unit has been pretty darn good this year. Because you can't return for touchdowns what you're not returning. That means kicking out of bounds, kicking with hang time. He's done a really, really good job executing that plan. And that takes us to fourth down and some odds and ends. And one of them is the news, and I was going to talk about this yesterday and just totally forgot. Elliot Wolf interviewing for the 49ers GM job. Now, I think, I hate to say assumption, because we shouldn't, we'd be, all be stupid to assume anything. But I think the, the thought was, is Elliot Wolf would replace Ted Thompson at, as general manager at some point? And my belief on this is everybody who needs to know the plan knows the plan. Obviously, Mark Murphy knows the plan. I, I'm assuming he's talked to Ted and what Ted wants to do and when he wants to do it. So, based on that, I always thought if it was Elliott, he knows he's going to be the guy, and that's why he's been content to stay in Green Bay and take different roles and, and all that. But now I don't know about that. 
Because why else would Wolf, I mean, why would Wolf go to San Fran if he already knows he's the guy? So, does Mark Murphy know that Wolf's the guy and just hasn't told him? Man, I don't know. I just don't know. It, it throws everything that we thought, or maybe stupidly assumed, into doubt. Um, I guess we're going to find out maybe in a hurry. I, I would think Elliot's going to be a real attractive candidate out in San Fran or, or any other GM job that pops open here. Look, he's come from a winning organization. He's got name recognition. And he's, he's certainly a media-friendly guy, so he'll, he'll quote-unquote, win the press conference. I mean, if you hire Elliot Wolf, you've bought yourself a couple years as an owner of, of grace period. I mean, there's no downside to hiring him. So we're going to find out Mark Murphy's playing here in the probably not too long. Is, is Wolf indeed the guy? And if he is, I would think Mark Murphy will make some sort of play here to ensure that it happens, whether it's you know keeping him around with it with another pay raise or or maybe persuading Ted that it's time to, to move on and, and serve as a supervisor. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast here for, gosh, two months probably, right? You know, maybe it's time to make Elliot the guy and... You know, Ted's under contract for a year. Maybe, maybe have him serve in a as a supervisor, to, so to speak. You know, not that he would have any final say on things, but I mean, Elliot, make Elliot the guy and, and have Ted be his right hand man or something along those lines. We talked about that for a while, and maybe maybe they have to go that route, or maybe Elliot Wolf isn't the guy, and none of us know if he is good at his job. I mean, like, super good at his job. Like, GM worthy at his job. We don't know. This is Ted Thompson's ship. You know, it's like, it's like, is Edgar Bennett a good offensive coordinator? Well, it beats the hell out of me. I mean, he doesn't call the plays. You know? It's the same with, it's the same with hiring anybody to be your GM who hasn't been the GM before. I mean, you, you don't know, um, ultimately, how he is at his job. Because, you know, obviously in this case, Ted makes the final call. I mean, I'm not saying Elliot's not good at his job. It's clearly he is. But maybe maybe Mark Murphy's got something else in mind because there's someone else in that organization who he feels is better suited for. Um, a couple extra notes here. Packers coach Mike McCarthy has now led the Packers to eight consecutive playoff berths. Done only by three other coaches in NFL history. Bill Belichick who's also on a current eight-year run. And Hall of Famers Chuck Knoll and Tom Landry. Pretty good company. Packers are 32-21 and 21 in playoff games. Only Pittsburgh and Dallas have more wins with 34. Only Baltimore has a better winning percentage at .652 compared to Green Bay's .604. The Packers in the wild card round, not necessarily death, from 2012, from in 2010, 11, and 12, a wild card team won the Super Bowl. Not the last three years, though. Excuse me, not the last. Yeah, not the last three years, though. And finally, the injury report. And Thursday's will be a much bigger deal because of the the padded practice they'll have. But guys who did not practice on Wednesday, Julius Peppers getting the customary Wednesday rest. Quarterback Quentin Rounds with a neck injury slash concussion. Running back James Sirks with a concussion from a car accident a few weeks ago. And then a big one, linebacker Joe Thomas with a back injury. Thomas is really, really playing good football until that injury. And you know, he adds such a dimension against the passing game and his athletic ability. Obviously, he has some 
shortcoming size-wise against the running game, but I certainly would think, I mean, this is a game where you want Thomas. I mean, I just, you know, the Giants are going Giant, to, Giants throw the ball, the running back is a, is a slighter build kind of guy. I mean, this is a Joe Thomas kind of game, and if he can't play, it'd be a big loss. And guys who are limited would include wide receiver Randall Cobb, who's been inactive the last two games with that ankle injury. And for the Giants, only one guy did not practice. That would be Jason Pierre-Paul, who I mentioned before. Um, cornerback Janoris Jenkins is limited. He, uh, he had missed a couple games. And right tackle Bobby Hart did not start last week, and he was full participation. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Um, tomorrow will be our Behind Enemy Lines podcast with uh, Art Stapleton from the Bergen Record and Locked On Giants. Thank you for listening, everybody. I truly appreciate it. Have a great day. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.